Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome in Cube Show Podcast, a college football podcast that comes to you on Sundays. And wow, we made it. We're here. Week zero in the books. And we'll go through a couple of the games from yesterday. Obviously, Vandy, we have to review that one because that's uh, in the conference that we focus on uh, each and every week. But I uh, just want to go through a couple of the other ones real quick. Some of the other games that we saw from over the weekend. Um, let's start with USC. Uh, they get a big win against San Jose State, but there were some problems. There were some issues. I mean, this game was, I believe, a one-score game at halftime. And you saw San Jose State, Chevin Cordero, a quarterback that can move a little bit, break them down. He was able to pick up some yards, converted quarterback Nick Nash looked great. A couple big receptions that he had there. Uh, USC's offense is going to be dynamic. And, you know, Caleb Williams, four touchdown passes. The Zachariah Branch kid, he touched the ball eight times, 220 yards, 96-yard kick return. He is legit, big time, explosive, gets that extra gear in a hurry. One foot in the ground, make a guy miss, gone. Was really impressed. Um, I thought Marshawn Lloyd, South Carolina transfer running back, looked very different. He looked kind of tall and lean, like good cut ability. He looked a little bit different than the kind of shorter, squattier back we saw at Carolina the last few years. Um, Taj Washington looked pretty good catching the football as well. Here's my thing with USC. Um, I think USC is, is going to be dangerous. I think they're going to score a lot of points. But USC was really good at doing all the fun stuff yesterday. Um, throwing the football, catching the football, returning the football. Rushing the passer off the edge, like, ah, dip and rip. Yeah. Like, all the cool shit USC was really good at. All the hard stuff, eh, not so great at. Tackling, nah. Uh, staying in your rush lanes, not over-pursuing the quarterback, no. Uh, getting a push up front with the offensive line, O-line communication, no. Uh, Caleb Williams took way too many hits. And then on top of that, I think with some of the pot pass stuff that they're doing out in the perimeter, I, I, it feels like Caleb Williams is going to get beat up this year. That's what it feels like to me. But all the cool stuff, man, they're really good at. But the gritty stuff, man, not so great. Wasn't overly impressed. Uh, UMass gets a win 41-30 against New Mexico State. Uh, we'll talk about them against Auburn here in a few minutes. We're going to preview all the week one opponents for SEC teams. But this is this is pretty cool because UMass had some big wins in the portal. Quarterback Tyson Pumachan, uh, Clemson, and Georgia Tech now at UMass had a pretty good day. Um, but mainly, this is a team that won three games the last four football seasons, and they're 1-0. So just give Don Brown a lot of credit. It was a rough year last year, but still, 1-0 out of the gate, doing some good things. 
Talent's been upgraded. A lot of credit there. Give them credit for that. A nice win for Rich Rod, Jacksonville State. First game in FBS. It was a close one, but they found a way to kind of sneak through and get the win. Notre Dame 42-3 Navy. Now, I will say with all of these, it's week one. We're not going to go nuts. We're not going to overreact to a lot of things, but... Notre Dame offensive line looked pretty good. Ran duo a bunch. Um, did what they were supposed to do. They handled the group in front of them the way that they should have. Sam Hartman wanted to see him in this offense. Not that walk the dog, slow mesh offense, slow read offense. And he looked pretty good. Did some good things. You know, I think he he made some made some really nice throws, some tight windows. Uh, you know, went under center, turned his back to the defense, did some things that he has not been asked to do, and he looked very comfortable doing those things. Uh, I don't know how you don't like estimated tailback, big physical. Uh, it was a pretty physical game. I mean, Navy fought pretty hard in the trenches. Linebackers were flying around, but they were just outmanned. And I think from a physicality standpoint, Notre Dame's going to be fine. Saw some good things from the D-line. Again, not a lot to really match up against. Don't know. Can't use a lot of that moving forward. But I just still wonder, you know, wide receivers going to have enough juice? Nah. Not real sure. And then Sam Harmon got hit a bunch in this game. So the pass pro for the Irish, something that I feel like let them down a little bit too. I'd be a little bit concerned about that one. So uh, it was a big day yesterday that we had college football, man. That's, that's it. Not, that was, that was fun. So we'll talk about some of the games coming up for SEC teams, what we're hearing through camp, and we'll run through uh, the week one opponents for a lot of these teams. Some we'll spend a lot of time on, some there's not enough that we really have to give you so we're not going to spend a ton of time there but you do know each and every week we're brought to you by wickles pickles wickedly delicious go to wickles.com if you can't find them in your grocery store you'll be able to pick them up you'll be able to find them they'll drop ship them to you we keep them stocked love the snack on them great recipes on the instagram wickles pickles is what you can find on the gram we always appreciate wickles pickles for sponsoring the show all right vandy plays yesterday they get the win. That's all that matters. All right. So you, you go out and you, you find a way to win the game. 35-28 against Hawaii. Give Timmy Chang's group a lot of credit, man. They fought hard. They're dealing with some adversity. Obvious reasons what's happening in Maui. And even though it's on a different island, I still think it's got a pretty big effect uh, to that community. And they come all the way to Nashville and man, they had their opportunities and, and made that thing tight late. Uh, they weren't good in the red zone. They turned the ball over. That was really the difference in why Hawaii could not find a way to win this game. But I got a lot of respect for Braden Schrager. Uh, 351 yards passing, pushing the ball down the field, accurate, tough, you know, moving around the pocket a little bit. So that Hawaii team might be one that uh, is pretty interesting to watch a little bit later. Um, let's go with what we saw Vandy offensively. AJ Swan. Love the way he managed things in the pocket. He was under duress a little bit, but you saw a lot of the split zone stuff where the tight end comes across the line of scrimmage. It gives him an option route and then took his shots down the field as well. When you have Will Shepard, you got to do that. Probably didn't get to Will Shepard as early and often as they needed to, but you know he's going to be effective. Um, Jaden McGowan, man, wow. I mean, real juice. And I, I felt like running back position, receiver position for Vanderbilt probably exceeded my expectations. I felt really good about what I saw. Uh, I felt okay about the tight end position, one that's been a little bit dinged up and you lost two guys that were critical last year to what you did. But I liked some of the differences that we saw offensively, some of the different read plays, more out of the pistol. Um, you know, you saw some of the gap scheme runs that looked like they can be effective moving forward, even if you're a little outmanned with your offensive line against SEC defensive lines. 
So I, I felt pretty good about things offensively. I, of course, you would like to see Vanderbilt run the ball a little bit better. And then they did not run the ball well. But that's something that I think can come when they get a little bit better feel of what they are and who they are. But you got a quarterback, an A.J. Swan man, that's got moxie. He can make every throw. He had every arm angle going. I mean, he was back foot, you know, sidearm, spitting the ball out quick. I love what I saw from him in his game. Uh, defensively, you, you, you're going to have to get some things cleaned up in the secondary. We've told you on this show that that's been a little bit of a concern through camp. And I thought the defensive line was active, disruptive. They did some nice things, but it wasn't necessarily consistent. Now, probably dialed a little bit too much as far as stunts and pressures than you would on a weekly basis. But once you saw where that game was going and it's week one, you got things you've been holding on to. You just want to go out there and let it rip and be able to find a way to get that thing going. So um, I felt pretty good overall with what I saw because you have a lot of changeover. You lost a couple of guys that were big to your football team at edge, at running back, in a couple of different spots. A couple of those guys graduated that meant a lot to your football team. And you find a way with the weather delay to go out there and, and get a win. Everybody's been you know, poking fun and pointing their finger at you about your stadium for the last month or whatever it is. And you get to want to know. And we've talked about Vanderbilt. They've got to be successful early if they're going to be bowl eligible. Alabama A&M next. You know, they got a couple of transfers there. Um, Donovan Eaglin, running back, Michigan State transfer, went for over 800 yards last year. He'll be a big weapon for the Bulldogs. You're at Wake. You're at UNLV. You've got to get, I think, four of those, at least three, if you're going to find a way to get to bowl eligibility. But there are some things around this team that I do think can continue to grow. You know, some of the leakage on offense with split zone or pullers or different things like that, like they can clean that up. That'll come a little bit. So, I, it's week one. We're not going to go nuts about anything that we see or week zero. We're not going to go nuts about things that we see that can be cleaned up. And we'll try to clarify that for you if we think they really can be. Are they going to come out in two or three weeks and just blow people off the football? No, they're not. It's not who Vanderbilt's going to be. Uh, we do know who Blakely's Bouquets is, though. Uh, go to Blakely'sBouquets.com if you need to order flowers in the Birmingham area, 205-579-4900. Same-day delivery in Jefferson County and Shelby County. They can get you taken care of for a few funerals, weddings, birthdays, holidays, whether it's Mother's Day, whatever that is, they're going to be able to take care of you. They do a great job. I needed some balloons for my kids over the weekend because of something they had going on with school. They got them to me same day. They will go out of your way to help you. Wonderful people running it, and they do an excellent job. I told you I've gotten multiple comments on things that I've done for other folks through Blakely's Bouquets. They do an amazing job. Um, Local and regional events, they can help you out with those. And again, like we got week one coming up. If you want to troll some of your rivals, send them flowers when their team loses. What other way than to have a little bit of fun with that? Blakely'sBouquets.com, 205-579-4900. Go check them out today if you need any kind of flower service here in the Birmingham metro area. All right, so what do we got coming up this week? Auburn and UMass. Uh, There's a lot of positive energy inside that Auburn football building right now, apparently. Robbie Ashford has sort of taken to what his role can and most likely will be for this Auburn football team. And that's good. He's had better practices. That's fine. But mentally and emotionally, he's going to have to be on board with what he is to this team moving forward. Peyton Thorne's the leader. Peyton Thorne's the quarterback. He's the guy that's going to operate and lead the offense. And I think the offensive line looks good. I think they have options up front. I think Jake Thornton's excited about that. The running back situation is one that I'll be interested to see sort of how they dole out the carries, especially early. 
because there are multiple guys in this running back room that are going to be able to help Auburn. Which receivers outside of Shane Hooks and Jay Fair can really go out and help this football team? I think Rivaldo Fairweather is going to help it tight end. But now with UMass, you might get a little bit of test defensively. With Tyson Pumachan being able to do some things where he pulls the ball down and runs. So this front seven for Auburn may get a little bit of a test. I don't know if it's an active enough defensive line that it should be real problematic. Um, Auburn should still get the win and still, still get a comfortable win. I think you'll see three quarterbacks play. And that's something that Hugh Freeze wants. He wants to see where he stands at a lot of positions. Defensive line, you want to see a heavy rotation. Because there are a couple of guys that have been dinged up been hurt, haven't really gone through fall camp, that they're going to need to get out there and see what they're capable of doing. So it's a, it's a team now you like to see that they have a little momentum and maybe a little better than you thought they were because that might wake the guys up and say, hey, we can't just go out here and sleepwalk through this game. The thing that I'm looking for with Auburn more than anything else, continuity and chemistry. That's on the offensive line. Those guys playing together, they on the same page. You're turning guys loose. You're letting free rushers come off the edge. You know, you're able to pick things up in the run game when the defensive line starts to stunt and stink. Keep in mind, Don Brown, at his core, pressure D coordinator. Like, he likes to come at you. Now, am I going to tell you that it's really difficult to decipher and that he's going to mix and match a lot of it? No. Don Brown is usually, here's what we're bringing. Good luck picking it up. That's kind of his M.O., from what I've seen of him in the past and what I think he'll bring a lot to this game. So there will be interesting tests for this Auburn football team in week one, but it should still be a a comfortable win. And I think positive momentum continues to ride with this group through camp, like Dylan Wade having a great camp, a couple other offensive linemen that might be able to help later or throughout the course of the year, having big camps, Xavion Miller having a nice camp. So you can mix and match a couple of different guys up front on the offensive line. And that should be good. All right, uh, Texas A&M is going to get New Mexico. Now, this is interesting. Bryant Vincent, former UAB offensive coordinator, and his former quarterback Dylan Hopkins are now at New Mexico. Why does that matter? Well, your offensive line coach out there, Coach Selfo, was at App State a while back, and they run a similar offense to what App State ran last year. You're going to get the stretch play. You have backs who may not have a lot of twitch and aren't necessarily straight line speed heavy, but understand the scheme and the outside zone play and how to work it. And it's going to look similar to what A&M or what App State did to you last year. So a good test for the A&M front, knowing you're going to get some things that gave you some headaches last year. Dylan Hopkins, I think he's played like 40 games in his career quarterback. So you have an experienced quarterback that's going to help you with some of that also. Watch number 17 tight end. Uh, Magnus Graves, I think's his name. He's from Switzerland, 6'6, 260, super athletic. Apparently, a guy that has turned some heads in camp. Also, uh, Troy Reference, the D coordinator. This will be a good test for the AM offensive line. We've talked about some of these guys having really good tape and maybe some not so great tape, similar to what TCU did last year. And there are two linebackers from TCU that I think are going to be able to help. Although, uh, one I think is going to be banged up and might not really go very much, but the other will. They're going to slice and dice. They're going to come from everywhere. They're going to try to have run-throughs to be able to cause problems, do different things. So what they want to take advantage of is some of the miscommunication or you know just confusion of things being new that maybe they can cause you know some TFLs or fumbles or get in the backfield and cause pressures. So I, I think for AM, should you go out and win this game? I call this a handoff game. You should be able to go out and hand the ball off 45 times, similar to Auburn UMass, and win this football game. 
You don't even have to throw the ball, not even have to get creative. But there are parts of it that are going to be a little more complicated than you may be thinking by seeing New Mexico, and it's the first game of the season. I think this is a very different New Mexico team than last year's team, some of the reasons that we just gave you. But just, you know, this is kind of a rocky long defense, guys all over the place moving in and out, just – It'll be good to see kind of where everybody is if they're on the same page. And again, if they trip up a little bit, I'm not going to sit here and kill A&M next week and tell you that they got massive problems. I'm just giving you some things to watch in all of these games because I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, Alabama gets Middle Tennessee. A couple things on Alabama through camp. Uh, it looks like Jalen Milrow will probably be first at quarterback, but I think Coach Saban is going to want to play multiple. Uh, Jam Miller is the name to watch at tailback. I think he's one that can be exceptional and give, give them a little bit more burst. But I think you're going to see multiple guys play, and they'll try to figure that out as they go. I think this offense right now, this is my opinion. I think this offense right now, Tommy Reese is not even in a spot where he feels like he needs to go out and make a lot of definitive decisions on this is our quarterback. This is our number one tailback. This is our go-to matchup receiver. I think he likes all the talent collectively that he can sort of take a little while to figure things out because their scheme is going to be pretty good. now. I think this offensive line is is going to be good. I think it's going to be big and heavy, and I think they're going to be able to move people. And you got a group of tight ends that can help you with that. We know Robbie Utes last year was sort of your hard hat guy, right? Dirty work guy. Well, Amari Nyblack, who can fly, apparently having a good camp. Danny Johnson, having a good camp. Another guy, you know, 6'6", six, 6'5", six, six, whatever he is, 255, that's going to be able to help. It's probably your best do-it-all. And then you got the pre-transferred in from Maryland that might be able to help you out some as well. So they're going to have enough oomph up front to where this is not going to be a ton of heavy lifting by the quarterback position. It's just not going to be that. And I think Isaiah Bond has really come on at receiver. If you're looking for a deep threat, an explosive play guy, I think it's probably him. And I do think that there's still some interesting things to watch with that offensive line. Ferguson, Dalcourt, who is it? Booker, right guard, left guard, just a couple of things. But I think Caden Proctor is pretty close to solidifying the left tackle spot. That's just my opinion. Defensively, I think Jaheim Otis, you'll probably see an even lighter Jaheim Otis than last year. Guy's going to be able to disrupt, be problematic. Uh, you got Turner and Braswell off the edge. Deontay Lawson, big, big camp. Big camp. Caleb Downs, safety, freshman, big camp, going to help. And when you think about like Malachi Moore and Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terion Arnold, now Caleb Down comes in. The ability for Kevin Steele to kind of mix and match and move some guys around, I think is going to be is going to be massive for this Alabama defense. I anticipate the defense is going to be pretty good. Um, matter of fact, while we're referencing Alabama, I, I, I did this on McElroy and Kubrick in the morning, so I need to do it here as well because I'm not going to be that guy that goes on multiple platforms and picks multiple teams to win different things. So I'm always right somewhere. I would like to retract my pick for LSU to win the SEC West and replace it with Alabama. Neither of those teams have picked, have played. No SEC West team has played. So I feel pretty good about saying that I'm in within my rights here to go ahead and change this pick, and I'm going to do it. I think Alabama plays bully ball this year. I think they make it easy on their quarterback. If they do go Jalen Milrow, now you got a quarterback who's probably top three fastest player on the team, and he'll be able to be problematic in even different ways than we've even discussed. So... A lot going on with what I think about Alabama. I'm excited to see what they're going to put out there week one. Middle Tennessee, on the other hand, you got a quarterback that they have a lot of confidence in that played a little bit last year. They're going to take a big step back at wide receiver. 
Um, Jalen Lane's going to Virginia Tech. He was your leading receiver last year. Also, uh, on Patterson is a corner that I think had seven interceptions last year. He's going to UCF. Uh, they love this kid down at UCF. And he was a big-time player for that defense last year. But keep an eye out for Zaylen Wood, defensive end, if he does not go or does go. Because I think Middle Tennessee's got to have him to potentially cause some problems. And if you did have a freshman left tackle, even though I think Caden Proctor is going to be good, that might be a way to be a little bit problematic. I think they feel like they've upgraded at running back. They like their quarterback, more continuity on the O-line, but may not be able to stretch the field as much as they did against, say, Miami last year when they were able to pull that game out. But it's a good test for Alabama because it's going to spread them out. They'll probably take their shot plays either way. You may get a little bit of tempo. You get some personnel groupings that mix and match, and you get a front forward defensively that's played a lot of football if Zalen Woods in the game. If not, you still get some guys who have played. Now, should Bama handle them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Nicholas Vitalo, whatever the quarterback's name is, uh, I know they have a lot of confidence in him and think he's going to be pretty good. So maybe that tests a little bit of that second, third level of the Alabama defense, and we'll see who, after Jaheim Otis, is going to be able to help that group up front uh, defensively and, and be able to cause some problems. But um, I'm excited about Alabama being able to maul, play different style football, and we're already seeing – I mean, Notre Dame had, what, four possessions in the first half? I think they scored four touchdowns, but like we're seeing things go a little bit quicker. Possessions down just a tad with these new clock rules. So if you can play that style ball, could be pretty advantageous moving forward. All right. Um, Ole Miss gets Mercer. McElroy gives me hell all the time I bring this up, but this Mercer offense is very unique. They'll run Notre Dame box out of the gun. Um, they'll run pistol. They'll run two back. They will run zone read. They'll, there's some triple option veer principles in this, but they can also throw it a little bit. And if you watch Mercer over the weekend, uh, they found a way to, to knock off North Alabama. You saw Ty James catch another touchdown pass. Ty James, 6'2", 200, a Georgia transfer. This is a young man that against Samford last year had 13 catches for 351 yards. That's one game. So, uh, you know, he and Darren Harper, who's 5'9", 170, he can in the slot. He can be a problem. Uh, it's just a weird offense. And it's a unique offense. And they got some playmakers on that side of the ball. Going up against a defense, it's got a new structure that can be complicated. That's a little new, a little bit different. I don't think they're going to have a lot of success running the ball in Ole Miss. And I want to see, you know, the tight end position, Caden Priestcorn, what he's capable of doing. I want to see if, you know, your super athletic tight end transfer from USC wants to play football. Is he interested in it? Got the best running back in college football. Should have a pretty good O-line. Defense has been upgraded talent-wise. I think you're still light at linebacker. I want to see what some of the secondary looks like, and you may get some of that tested in this game, which will be great. But visually and conceptually, the defense will be tested. And so if they come away and pass this test with flying colors, that's a really good sign moving forward with what you're going to get for the rest of the year. So I think Jackson darts the dude at quarterback, even though it hadn't been announced. But I like what Ole Miss is going to throw on the field. Also, like if you're going to that game, Blue Delta Jeans, they're located right there in Oxford. If you want to stop by and get fitted there, or you go to bluedeltajeans.com, and you will find the most comfortable, the coolest, stretchiest denim that you've ever put on your body. You will not want another pair of jeans for the rest of your life once you try Blue Delta denim. It is fantastic. You can dress it up. It can be casual. It's flexible for big, husky guys like me. It's cool. It's stretchy. 
You're going to love it. And Christmas not too far away. Start thinking about a gift certificate or getting your man in your life fitted for some blue Delta jeans or even the lady in your life fitted for some blue Delta denim. Go to bluedeltajeans.com. Make sure you tell Nick and those guys you heard about them right here on Cube Show. All right. Uh, moving on from Ole Miss. By the way, the, the one thing with Ole Miss I am a little bit concerned about is Zachary Franklin. Um, what he has been through through fall camp. Not sure about the availability right now or in the near future, but we'll see uh, exactly how he bounces back and when he's able to get in there and help that Ole Miss wide receiver core because he can be a big-time weapon for Ole Miss. Um, moving on, Mississippi State, Southeast Louisiana. Uh, Zachary Clement transfers in from Northwestern State at quarterback. He had over 3,700 yards, 25 touchdowns last year for Southeast Louisiana. Um Coach Selfo does a good job with this football team. This is where Cole Kelly transferred from Arkansas to play quarterback a few years ago. He's in the USFL now. They throw it all over the place. It's more of a run-and-shoot type offense that you'll see four and five wide the majority of the game. So it'll be a good test for the secondary, which some people have real question marks about with Mississippi State. Good test for some of the pass rushers up front. But not a great test for sort of where this defense made their money last year. And that is, you know, bringing a lot of guys to the box, bringing a lot of different pressures and stunts, doing a lot of different things up front. That's not going to help you out a lot in this game because the ball is going to be out pretty quick. Um, but they should be outmatched. And then obviously the other thing we're watching is that offensive line, Will Rogers, the comfort level, the, the you know, is that, is that offensive line operating in harmony? What kind, are, are they in sync? Is there real chemistry with that group? That's kind of what I want to see. And just the comfort level of Will Rogers, Woody Marks, uh, some of the O-line. Are they going to get contributions from the tight ends? We might begin to learn that a little bit in this game, but I don't know if we're going to definitively know when we turn it off. But we'll go study the tape, take a look at it, and give you those thoughts next Sunday, of course, right here on Cube Show. Uh, By the way, if you're not, please click subscribe on the YouTube right now. If we can get to 5,000 before week one kicks, that would be incredible. We're close. We can probably get there. Um, and then at Cube Show on Twitter, at Cube Show on Instagram. Keep up with us there. We do some different things occasionally and can help you out with that. Um, so Mississippi State, you know, Southeast Louisiana won the Southland last year. So it, it is a is a good football team. They shouldn't really scare Mississippi State, but it's a it's a quality test in some areas because of everything that's so new, including a first year head coach in Zach Garnett. Um, LSU and Florida State. Whoa, buddy. It's a big one. And some bad news for Florida State over the weekend with Mason Smith being announced that he's going to be out. I hated to see it because. I mean, kid's been through enough. He tears his ACL in the opener against Florida State last year, was set for a big year. Everybody excited about what he's capable of doing. And now we're not going to see him. But we do know that you're going to see a lot of football this year and you're going to see a lot of fantasy football this year, including what we're going to talk about here on this show. But I want to tell you, fantasy football fanatics, as draft season approaches, do not neglect the most important draft pick of all your game balls. We know those are important. You know how injuries can ruin a season. So let Manscaped take care of all that Reggie Bush of yours with their skin safe technology should guarantee you have a smooth ride into the playoffs. The leader in below the waist grooming have created a championship lineup with their performance package 4.0. It's time for you to do the same. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. I've got this in stock now. I can tell you I use it. It's going to make things a lot easier for you and obviously things a lot more enjoyable. Get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com. Get 20% off plus free shipping with promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E. 
20% off free shipping, all your Manscaped products. Uh, slotted at quarterback, we got the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, lower body, and even your A-gap. You can get everything taken care of. The Lawnmower 4.0, 400K LED spotlight, brighter than Bryce Young's future into the end zone. That thing's going to get you set as well. The Weed Whacker, also waterproof, uses a 9,000 RPM motor, powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Nose and ear trimmer provides you with what you're going to need to stay clean and not be embarrassing when you're in those face-to-face meetings. Get 20% off free shipping with promo code CUBE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping by using promo code CUBE at manscaped.com. Put the PP back in PPR and get a grip on your pigskin this year with Manscaped. All right, Florida State and LSU. I just hate it for Mason Smith. I think it's a little bit bogus that the NCAA decides to do this now. Did he break the rules? Yeah, sure. Um, So some people are going to go with that, but whatever. he was going to be massive, though. And we saw 18 and 7 getting handed out over the weekend. Makai Wingo is going to be inside, sporting the 18. He's going to have to have a big game. And so here's what you need to watch in this matchup when LSU is on defense. What's the structure? Are they going to go more three down with four linebackers, some hovering near the line of scrimmage, which allows Harold Perkins maybe to play off the edge, close to the line of scrimmage, and do damage? If so... I think gap scheme runs against three down looks are more beneficial. Now, yes, you get some run through, but I don't really think that's why Matt House would do it. More four down, I think you can put up a little better fight and then allow linebackers to read and react to the pullers and be able to arrive before they get there and go make plays. And if Perkins is off the ball, he obviously has the speed to be able to do that. So how do they play the counter power game from Florida State, which Mike Norvell is an absolute master at drawing up. Secondary problems apparently have continued through camp for LSU. Not good because this is a really good wide receiver core. And what they added out of Michigan State is big time. So you got big bodies. You got to do it all threats. You have speed, athleticism, catch radius. That's where LSU has to win this game. They, I think they have to maybe not only get to Jordan Travis, make him uncomfortable, bottle him up when they do get to him because he can leave the pocket just like Jaden Daniels can and break you down and cause problems. They have to limit these Florida State wide receivers. And let's not pretend like Florida State can't run the ball either. On the flip side, we know seven is going to go to Will Campbell, offensive lineman. But let's you know, we'll do it a little bit of a different way. That offensive line's got to have a nice day. Jared Verse is hell off the edge. Uh, Braden Fisk, who they picked up from Western Michigan, is a hell of a football player. I promise you, you're thinking Western Michigan, D-tackle, underside, he can play ball. He, can, he was on all their special teams up there, pass rusher, play the run, use his hands. He is a really good football player. Oh, and by the way, defensive freshman of the year is on the other side of Jared Verse over there for Florida State. They bring in Fentrell Cypress at corner. My understanding is, Two things stuck out for Florida State in fall camp. They came away really liking their corners. They think both are draftable. And number two, they're healthy going into this matchup against LSU. Jaden Daniels is going to have to have a big day. He's going to have to avoid the rush. He's going to have to make Florida State pay if they rush a little bit too far up the field or get out of their rush lanes and lose discipline. But this is going to be a dogfight for LSU to find a way to win this game. I don't feel great about it for the Bayou Bengals right this second. But there are absolutely ways they can go win this game. They have robots at wide receiver. They have all five starters back on the offensive line and a returning quarterback with experience. They should be able to find ways to move the football 
even though you're going up against a Florida State group that's extremely talented. I think the quarterback who makes the fewer mistakes probably wins this game. Like I think it's going to be that tight, that good, and it's going to, similar to last year, come down to one, two mistakes as to who walks away and actually wins this football game. But that's going to be a hell of a matchup Sunday night, man. I cannot wait to see it. All right. Um, North Carolina, South Carolina is what I had next. So we're going with like two of the biggest games of the weekend back-to-back. All right. Uh, what do I hear from North Carolina camp? Offensive line average. And defense looks about the same. Now they're waiting on a waiver from Dev Walker and would be absolutely massive if they get it back. I think they need him. My understanding from folks inside that facility is that they need him. So the weapons, not necessarily what they had a year ago. Also, word out of South Carolina camp, still the secondary has been phenomenal. Trey Knox is back at practice, still waiting on Juice Wells. I think they expect him to give it a go. But to what extent? That's what we don't know. The best returning wide receiver in the SEC, Antoine Juice Wells for South Carolina, is who I'm referencing. Is he, does he get 20 snaps, 10 snaps? Can he go 60 snaps? Do they actually try to match things up for him? Can Nicholas Harbor be somebody who helps him? How does the running back position look? I think they have a couple capable bodies, but they're not going to have an offensive line that's going to dominate. And if there is a strength of the Carolina defense, it's I would maybe say defensive line. Carolina should North South Carolina should be able to move the ball in North Carolina. They just should. Uh, Spencer Rattler, confidence through the roof, having a great camp, pinpoint accuracy, even without a legit run game, with what they have at tight end, what they have at receiver, and then a little bit of mobility from him, they should be able to move the football. The terminology is going to be easier. They'll go tempo just a little bit more. Drake May, however, is exceptional. But what I like for South Carolina in this game a group of veteran defensive linemen up front going against an offensive line that flat out isn't very good. Bottom line. I don't know how else to put it. And when you have a secondary back there to protect you, if Jordan Strong can get it off the edge, if Mo Coppa's back in helping out, I just think there are a lot of veteran bodies for this Carolina defense that are not getting any respect, that deserve some respect. And Clayton White does a pretty good job. And that's why I think Carolina uh, probably comes away from this thing with a win, man. Like uh, the only SEC team right now that I'm looking at that I think has a chance to lose this weekend, uh, maybe Florida and maybe LSU. Like I think that I feel pretty good about South Carolina getting this game. I really do. So we'll see exactly how that one plays out. But I think there are a lot of matchup problems for North Carolina in this game. But when you listen, when you got one of the best quarterbacks in college football, you can make things happen. Chip Lindsey runs a good offense. It'll be more balanced. Hadn't seen a lot of the personnel in that offense, so we'll see how that thing rolls on. Kentucky gets Ball State. Ball State lost Carson Steele. He might start at UCLA at running back. They love this kid out there. Um, guy with the mullet. You saw him playing in the MAC last year for Ball State. So he moves on. Um, now, I think Marquez Cooper, though, who was a thousand yard rusher at Kent State last year with their head coach going to be the OC at Colorado, Sean Lewis. He comes into Ball State, so they do have a little bit of juice there. Um, I actually had Marquez Cooper in one of his games last year. He's a pretty good player. Also, quarterback Logan Hatcher from Texas State comes in. He's played a lot. They get most of their front seven back, but I, I don't think they feel really good about the receivers, and I don't think they feel very good about the back end of the defense. What am I looking for for Kentucky here? Continuity up front with the offensive line. Comfort from Devin Leary in this offense, which I think will be there and I think will be good. Explosive capability from some of those receivers. I don't think they show a ton. I want to see Ray Davis in this system. I want to see Sumo in this system and see kind of how things go for them. Uh, Deion Walker apparently has a, had a big-time camp at, at defensive line for Kentucky. Trevin Wallace has had a big camp. I want to see those guys bust some things up. 
Like they should be out there wrecking this this group. They should. They should be they should be trading paint and causing problems. Bottom line. JJ Weaver, same thing. Uh corners for Kentucky. I want to see them get tested a little bit because safeties have been strong. Corners, meh. We'll see how that one plays out. Should be a comfortable win for the Cats. But right tackle is really what we're watching. Right tackle, maybe a little bit of center. And not just how they're all operating together, but individually how those are operating. Because those are going to be big pieces for the Kentucky offensive line moving forward. They'll get a comfortable win, though, against Ball State. Tennessee, Virginia might be one that a lot of people are looking at saying, oh, man, Tennessee could get pushed in this game. I'm not buying it. I don't believe it. Um, I think this is a Virginia staff that's struggling right now. Uh, was struggling last year. And even though you bring in two transfer corners in Malcolm Green and Taven Kyle from Clemson and Iowa State, it's not going to matter against this receiving court. Joe Milton apparently had a great camp, like great, great camp. So even though I still think some of the inconsistencies will show up at times, he apparently looked great in fall camp. You've got your number one running back set. You're just trying to figure out right tackle and is there going to be an issue at center due to Cooper Mays being dinged up. But the right tackle thing's got to get figured out. That could be like the sticking point for this offense. The rush defense should be a little bit better. You add Keenan Peely, you've got some bodies back up front on that defensive line that played a lot last year. I don't really anticipate Virginia having a lot of success, whether it's Tony Musket or they all carry muskets or whether it's, you know, muskrat hats, whatever. It doesn't matter. Virginia's not winning this game. I'm not even sure they can keep it competitive. So I think this will be a nice, comfortable, big win for Virginia to start the season, or for Tennessee to start the season in Nashville. And you, we're probably going to hear a ton of buzz about what Tennessee is going to be able to do this upcoming season. Um, you know, quarterback, running back, receiver turnover for Virginia does not give me good feelings about that offense. Tennessee big in that one against Virginia. Arkansas gets Western Carolina. There should not be a lot to be concerned about with this football team, but we want to see the offense, the operation of the offense. How comfortable is KJ Jefferson? What's he really asked to do? Rocket Sanders, we know, is going to be great, but we're also hearing behind him that running back position has been pretty solid through camp. A more recent camp update for Arkansas is the O-line being a little bit dinged. I don't think it's going to be a big issue in this game. I don't think you have to play all five for this entire game. But it's something that's got to get cleaned up before you get to weeks, you know, that third, fourth week when that rough stretch starts. It's got to be hammered out by then. And you can't be dinged up with that group going into that stretch of games. But I mean, I'm sure to see the defensive line. You know, Travis Williams' defense, I think, will be more responsible. But, you know, Landon Jackson and a couple of the guys up front have been nice through fall camp. Uh, linebacker is mildly concerning to me because I think you bring in enough transfers from Georgia and Baylor on the back end. They'll figure that out. It's not going to be as bad as last year. It just isn't. But they've just been so solid, so good at linebacker for so long. What does it look like this year? Because that includes some leadership and different things like that. But I don't think we'll know that for a while. Arkansas comfortable. Not a ton to worry about. Just want to see what the offense is, the operation of it. Young tight end group that could be very helpful and not just Farquise Gums, but the freshman could also help out. Gums, the North Texas transfer, but the freshman apparently looking pretty good. He might be able to help this football team as well. And then you have, listen, when you have FCS transfers, and there's a couple FCS transfers at receiver for Arkansas that have had good camps, you don't really know how that's going to go in SEC play, but this this won't be that. But just live action, new team, you want to see all that, be comfortable, be good. Uh, Missouri, South Dakota, South Dakota was three and eight last year. The only question, the big question for me with Missouri is quarterback. And we heard this week that, you know, they want to play both and that both are going to play. So 
can, does, does Sam Horn or Brady Cook go out there and take it this week? Do they go take one of those spots? Because Brady Cook's a captain, but he's not named a starting quarterback. That's a little odd to me. Now, you probably want to know what you have in Sam Horn, but just tell him he's going to play. What if he outplays Brady Cook? So I can, I guess I understand what Eli's doing, but it's just, it, it seems a little bit different as to how that thing's being managed. Uh, it's never a question as to how Blue Chew is managed and what it can manage for you. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about what Blue Chew can do for you. And when you need to get things done, remember the days when you're always ready to go. And now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed again. Just listen up and go to BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, but it's in a chewable tablet at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, plan ahead, be ready for whenever that opportunity arises. Process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. Best part is... It's all done online. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. So those are all good things if you need to go this route. And the best part is Bluetooth tablets made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. So does it work? You think you need it? Try it for a month for free. Right now, you're going to love it. Go to Bluetooth.com. With Bluetooth, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because they know when that package has arrived, your package has arrived. They always say first impressions are important. Make sure lasting impressions are also important for you. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. And when you do, go to bluechew.com and try it for free. Use promo code CUBE, C-U-B-E, at checkout and pay $5 shipping. And they're going to give you a month's supply. It's easy. You get a month's supply for free. Go to bluechew.com. And then go check out, sign up, do what you need to do. Promo code CUBE. They're going to give you a month's supply for free. You just pay the $5 shippings. Always appreciate Bluetooth being a sponsor here of the show. All right. Um, a massive one Thursday night, just like that Missouri game will be. Florida, Utah. It's iffy right now if starting quarterback for Utah is going to go. And Cam Rising is fantastic. He's got good mobility. He's accurate. He's great in the pocket. And backup quarterback for Utah had a lacerated spleen, so he's not going to be ready to go. But third-string quarterback brings more mobility and has played and gotten a ton of reps through camp. Um, Kyle Whittingham thinks this is the best combination of offensive lines and defensive lines he's ever had. So Florida's going to have their hands full there. Then you find out that starting center for Florida hadn't been practicing. So if Kingsley can't go, you're looking at Jake Slaughter. Everybody I talk to really likes Jake Slaughter. This might not even be that big of a drop-off from a talent perspective. However, this is a defense that's going to show you a lot. They're going to do a lot. You'll get some pressures. You'll get some movement. So having a veteran center could be big for this Florida offensive line, who apparently has had a really nice camp, just like Graham Mertz had a nice camp. On the flip side, Cam Jackson and some of the interior defensive linemen also had good camps for Florida. I think that's where this game is won. I think Graham Merck's quick distribution to some of the playmakers that Florida has on the perimeter, even though some young have to go out and make plays, have to utilize speed and athleticism to find ways to win this game. But I, I think there are people that believe 
Utah is just going to punch Florida in the mouth and they're not going to be able to handle it. I disagree with that. I think this is a a little bit of a tougher Florida team than some people give them credit for. Veteran presence at quarterback, some young targets emerging, and you have two running backs that can carry the load. Once again, go back to those clock rules we talked about. Because if Cam Rising's not playing, maybe both teams want to go ground and pound. And we're talking about what? I mean, a, a total of you know, 16, 14 possessions in this game. If this thing gets moving and goes fast. So I'll be interested to see the pace of the game, the tempo of the game and exactly how that goes. But I know secondary has been a strength for Utah in camp as well. They're excited about that. And there are a couple of players at Florida wants to get back and make sure like Scooby and see what he can do at linebacker and be able to help this team get out there and cause some problems for this Utah offense. I do think athletically, there are portions of this Utah team not where they were a season ago, and that could end up being a little bit of a problem. But actually, I, I have a lot of confidence in Florida being able to get this win. I know the elevation. I know on the road. I get it. I understand it. I always think that humidity or elevation, even though it sucks and it's treacherous and it's hard, it's going to be hard for everybody early on. It all just comes down to your conditioning. How quickly can you reoxygenize your lungs? And if you're in pretty good shape, even if it's harder than normal, You'll be able to get that back and be able to still contribute to your football team. You do different things. You go get oxygen on the sideline. Maybe you rotate a little bit more, but it's not this death knell that a lot of people think it is. The team just can't overcome. You're not going to be able to find a way to win a game. I don't, I don't believe in that. I feel pretty good about Florida. So if I'm picking these right now, uh, I would probably take Florida State. I think I would take Florida. And I would take Tennessee big in, in some of the bigger matchups. And like I said before, I'm taking South Carolina. Uh, if I'm if I'm picking these games and how they go, I'm just, I'm worried about the loss of Mason Smith. I'm worried about some. I'm worried about the secondary for LSU and the utilization of Harold Perkins and how they play the front. That that's that's what I'm a little bit worried about with LSU. LSU can win the game, probably should win the game based on roster top to bottom. But Florida State likes their team through camp, healthy through camp, and made some big additions. That could be a big help. Finally, Georgia UT Martin. This is not going to be any real threat for Georgia. It's not going to be a problem. They do lose Branson Robinson, though, at tailback. We've talked about these numbers at the running back position for Georgia. It's just it may get to a point where that's not something they can lean on. That also might not be a, a big problem because my understanding is the offensive lines had a really good camp. I know you've had a guy or two that's kind of dinged. But with the tight end help that they have and all the other weapons that they can move, mix, match, do different things with, I think they're going to be okay. They can use a lot of the quick game to make up for what they had in the running game. But keep in mind, last year, you had a running back that was great out of the backfield, so did multiple things for you. Can you find something similar to that this year? And then just Mike Bobo's operation of the offense with a new quarterback, Carson Beck. I want to see how that looks early on. I want to see how close to being on the same page everybody is. But we're not going to be here a week from now giving you a bunch of massive takeaways about Georgia. It's just not going to happen based on who they're playing. And some of those questions really being detail-oriented that we're going to see. We're going to need to see them in multiple situations to figure out exactly what that is. So it's going to be a fun week. Hell, week zero was a blast, man. I, my wife rented an inflatable and had the kids out there going the whole time. Though They wrangled me out there a little bit. But, I mean, I was 130. I took like two breaks to go play with the kids and do some different things. But, I mean, I sat here and watched – LaTeX find a way to squeak that one out last night. I was watching Vanderbilt after the delay. Um, I mean, it was, it was, I was watching USC on the Pac 12 app, which I guess that was a real thing because I found a way to do it. But 
football's back, man. Week one is here. We have so many questions about so many of these teams. We're going to try to give you a bunch of those answers next week. And it's going to be fun because I'm going to dive into every game. I want to watch the film of every game. That's what we do. If you're new to the show during the fall, I watch the tape of every team and I give you what I saw on Sunday. That was the original genesis of this entire show. So we ain't getting away from that. It's not going to happen. Please click subscribe. We'll be back next week. It's going to be a hell of a show because we got real tackle football to talk about with these SEC teams. A lot of questions are going to start to be answered. Some actually might get answered. And we got a competitive couple competitive football games that are going to be fun to watch. At Cube Show on Instagram, at Cube Show on Twitter. Please follow along. We're back next week. Thank you so much for always tuning in and being part of our show. Can't wait to be back next week and talk actual Southeastern Conference football outside of Vanderbilt with you all. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.